One of the things I say to my clients is that every presentation, every public speaking engagement is a performance. Hey everyone, it's Angie Wachowski, New York Times bestselling author of Spark, Bet on You, and Leading from the Front. I learned how to lead courtesy of the United States Marine Corps. And boy, oh boy, what a fun experience that was. Waking up early, going to bed late, getting yelled at. But what I did discover through the process was, wow, I was able to reimagine leadership. I thought it was about being in charge. I've later learned that it's about influencing and inspiring. And I'm so excited to share these ideas with you, particularly in the Bet on You podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. When I learned of Jacqueline Farrington and her work, I'm like, oh, she's got to be here. She's got to share with us her wisdom. And a lot of it has to do with how we show up, how we own our space. And that's a skill that all of us can improve on, all of us can get better at. I've, um, and I know I'm going to ask this when Jacqueline comes on, but I often hear this phrase, we can't play it small in our life. We're the main character in our story. And she's going to help us unpack that so we can all be the main character in our life story. So let's bring on Jacqueline. I'd love to hear your story before we jump in on how to own our space, develop our brand, and just have that presence that I know is within us. But tell us about your background first before I interrogate you. <laughs> Thanks, Angie. And I'm, I'm delighted to be here. My background, I started in acting. So I was a professional actor in my 20s. And while I was acting, I also started teaching at the Yale School of Drama. And while I was there, I also started doing some work in the School of Management and the law school and discovered that that was really more of a, an audience that I loved to work with. And so left Yale in 2005 to start my own business, did my own business for a few years, went and worked with another uh, consulting firm in London for a number of years. And it was there that I really branched out into more leadership development, change leadership, change management. And so now I work with senior leaders and I do executive coaching, organizational development and change leadership, really focusing on transformative change in organizations. I love combining those disciplines, everything that you just said, but particularly acting. Because when you think about going to meetings, going to a presentation, bringing your team together to have a conversation. I imagine that there are so many skills that you can bring from, again, a actor's development into those spaces. Can you talk about uh, just those parallels there for a second and what perhaps sure. acting taught you about leadership and how you bring those skills to work with you? Well, actors are students of human behavior. They're, they're constantly studying human behavior and in order so that they can bring the reality of that human behavior up onto the stage or on screen. And so in addition to that, they're students of influence. When you think about enacting, someone is always pursuing their objective. And that's what creates drama uh, on the stage or, or on the screen. Pursuing my objective while you might be pursuing your objective that is at odds to my objective. <laughs> and so 
this this uh, parallel between leadership and communications is a natural one because it's thinking about how do I show up in the moment with this person in order for them to hear my message and buy into my message. And that that's what actors spend their entire careers focusing on and, and of course, what many leaders focus on. And it's nothing that you, again, I've got my MBA in this background, you don't really learn this in formal education if you're going to go the business route. And you, st- if you have some best practices, you stumble upon them. Uh, I'd love to hear just your experience too. What are some of those skills that just the average professional needs to lean into in order to be impactful, in order to be influential in their space? Sure. Well, one of the things I say to my clients is that every presentation, every public speaking engagement is a performance. And that sometimes is a little surprising to them. They think, well, wait a minute, this, it's a presentation. I, I'm just giving a project update. It's not a, a performance. But it is a performance because it's an elevated form of communication, which is what actors do when they're acting. And by that, I mean that it's not the kind of communication where you're sitting around at the dinner table, having a few glasses of wine with with your friends or your family, shooting the breeze. In fact, you're there with a clearly defined purpose. You have an outcome that you want to achieve through the communication. And your audience is showing up with expectations. They when they show up to see you speak, they expect you to be prepared. They expect you to have a a message. Sometimes they expect to be entertained or at the very least engaged. And so because of that, because it's a performance, it requires an elevated commitment in voice, in body language, how you use your, your body, and then also mentally. It, it requires that we 120% are present in that moment with that group of people in the room with us. It's funny because you often hear in business, people say we need communication training, which is like this huge umbrella. And you just listed off three skills that I can't think of any business that really tailors and dives into Um, unless with a specialized training, like voice training, body language, and then the presence. I mean, those are really highly specialized skills, but you know, you need them if you go sit through a lackluster presentation, or you know the value of them. Which we've all done. We've all done. (laughs) We've all done. Well, I think a lot of people wing it, thinking that it's not that big of a deal or that it's, it's not that enough. And I imagine you're here to say sometimes like, yeah, don't wing it. It's really important. <laughs> yeah, and the interesting thing about winging it too is that people who wing it well have a tremendous amount of practice and experience and expertise behind them, and that mm-hmm. enables them to wing it. So I, I always push for rehearsal. Actors have a saying, do it over and over and over and over again. I'm not sure quite how many overs are in that, but you get the idea. A lot of over and over again. Do it over and over again until it feels like you've never done it before. So the rehearsal sets you free so that you don't have to be answering questions like, what do I do with my hands? Where do I stand? Where do I move? Which words do I emphasize? How do I emphasize them? If if you have to be answering all those questions when you're standing up there communicating with people, and that's where your mind should be is on that connection with your audience 
and on your content. But if you're in, instead having to answer all these questions, it creates cognitive overload. You, your brain just cannot take all of that information in at the same time. So rehearsal really does set you free. And the interesting thing about it is that the more you rehearse, the more you practice things like, what do I do with my voice? How do I use my body? Then when you do have to wing it, because there are many times leaders have to wing it, that rehearsal that you did in the past, or those rehearsals, I should say, <laughs> will serve you and, and make it easier for you to wing it than in the moment. People ask me all that time about just public speaking, you know, how do you prepare? I'm like, I just talk to myself. I, you have to, like in the car, in a walk, and you might look crazy, you might sound crazy, but those are rehearsals. I've heard this phrase before that I'd love for you to unpack. I know a lot of people feel like this too. You know, you must, in your career experience, work with shy people, people who just aren't that extrovert, that bro person, that in-your-face type of person, and yet they want to have presence, they want to have impact. And it's the phrase that sometimes you're playing it small. What does that mean? I'd love to hear from you with your, your acting background. What's it mean to play it small? And then, of course, I'm going to follow up and say, how do you play it big, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> sure. The, the first thing that comes into to my mind, and, and by the way, you do not have to be an extrovert to be a compelling speaker. Absolutely not. I, I know many an introvert who is uh, an incredible speaker. So get that out of your head. You don't have to be an extrovert. Mm -hmm. But to me, playing it small is when our attention goes inward on ourselves. And when that happens, it just unleashes the self-critic. We start to become hypervigilant. And that self-critic rears its, its ugly head and starts to focus on, on everything that we're doing wrong. And when we're in the room trying to connect with people, that's the time to lock the self-critic in the door. Whereas in my mind, playing it big, there's a generosity of spirit in that and a generosity of presence. And our focus then is on our audience. And how are they responding to what we're saying? How are they feeling about what we're saying? Do they look confused? Are they nodding their head like, yeah, that really resonates with me? Or do they look upset, angry? So it's noticing how our audience is responding. And then if we need to, course correcting in the moment, that might be course correcting how we're showing up, our presence. It also might be course correcting our, our messaging. But when we are that present in the room where attention is off of ourselves onto the people that we're communicating with, that also is, is another thing that frees us up to then respond in the moment. I like that too. And that goes back to the do it over and over and over again. The only way to get that level of presence is if you know your material. So you're not worrying about the words on the slide or what's next on the slide. Yes. You're worried about the moment that you're in. Yeah. Great. Great, great, great advice. I hear a lot from um, a lot of my clients too, and I'd love to hear from you because this is an area of your expertise. It's really around brand. I mean, the concept of having a brand has been around for, I'd say, a couple decades now. You hear it at conferences, there's branding workshops, but it seems to take on recently a different tone or at least a different level of importance or maybe even a less superficiality around it more almost like a business imperative can you unpack 
this personal brand concept to make it, um, I think, palatable for many people who just wonder, do I need a brand? Do I have a brand? Do I want a brand? Yeah, I'd love to hear from you. For me, brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room, or it's what people think about when they when they think, okay, Angie's going to be a part of this project. What's their expectation? What are they expecting in you as as a leader? Also, to me, brand is not about showing up in the same way every time. I think sometimes we get this idea that there should be one leader in our brain and that leader is driving everything. But in fact, that's not how the human brain is is hardwired. The, the human brain is hardwired to perform multiple functions. And all of those functions require different parts of ourselves. There is the you that is the, the little league coach who is really inspiring. But there might be the, the you who is a, a parent who knows when to lay down the law or the, the you when you're having a conversation with your partner about maybe where you're going to go on vacation. So we have, it's almost like this sense of mini selves within us. And when we can tap into the power of that, the power of our lived experiences, the different roles that we play in life, our, our values, we can then tap into the power of what I call strategic presence. And strategic presence is about adapting the way that you show up in the room so that this particular audience can hear this particular message in this moment in time, in, in this situation. And it's still very authentically you. In fact, I would say that it's more authentic rather than just saying, this is my one brand. This is the way I, I always show up because it is drawing on your uh, the, the full part of you, your complete self. I really love that idea. As you were talking to, I was thinking about a conversation I had with my husband. I'm like, you're being really fun right now. Can you bring this person tomorrow exactly. to the dinner room table? Like, let's let's invite him back because he is a blast. This other person, which needs to be that person then and there. But again, I love this idea of the I think about the power of our lived experiences to channel our strategic presence. And I think part of that too is what does what do people need of me right now? And I can be that in an authentic way because I have that as part of my personal resources. So question for you. You said the words that people say about you when you're not when you're when you're not present in a room. So maybe I spent some time thinking about that and I'm like, oh crap, I got some work to do. I don't think that I'm going to like what people say about me when I'm not in that room. Maybe they'll say that I'm always late on projects. I'm impatient with results. I say one thing I do. You know, you could say a whole host of some of the qualities that you don't like about yourself. How do you be intentional about building your brand? First of all, perceptions are only that. They're only perceptions. We can choose to try to change them or or not. And if we then want to change them, it's important to then ask, okay, well, if if the brand, if the perception is you always show up late for meetings and, and I don't like that perception. Now, often what we'll want to do is jump to, well, I disagree with that. That's not right. But it's not about that. There's a perception and we play a part in having created that perception. So then it's thinking about what's one small step 
1% that I can do tomorrow that would change that perception. And, and I'll give you a hint. It's usually not sitting down with those people who told you that, trying to change their minds about that perception. But <laughs> yeah, you're wrong is never the effective exactly. strategy. You're wrong in that. But <laughs> it might be going to those people and saying, hey, I noticed you have this perception of me. What's one thing you would suggest I do to change that? I don't like this perception. What's one thing? Get a list then of all these suggestions and then choose one, one that you want to start with. Um, having delivered a lot of organizational change and individual change through through coaching, I know that change is something that happens incrementally. And so it's thinking about 1%. What's that 1% tomorrow that I can do differently than what I did today to change that? I like that 1% better. That's it. That 1% better, yeah. that incremental change. And I think that's the James Clear concept. And, you know, over the course of a year, it's it can be a pretty exciting transformation of perception. And it definitely takes time. Okay, so one of my last questions for you is that I hear often, and, and you probably hear it too, that people want to be seen and they want to be heard. Yet many people feel in a professional environment that they're neither, that they're neither seen nor heard. Can you unpack that a bit and just help us with some strategies and ideas just to really increase our presence? Like if you feel like you're invisible or what you say doesn't matter, or you say something and somebody else says it and they get all the credit and you're just like, oh, and you know, you're sour about it. What do you do? Well, there's there's so much in, in that question. And, and so I'll start with your last question, which was speaking to when our ideas are ignored or they're reappropriated. So reach out, first of all, to your ally network. Get a plan in place. There, there's a famous story. Uh, I think it's Valerie Jarrett who tells it about the uh, Obama administration and the early days. And uh, all of the women in the group noticed that the men in the group on the leadership team were interrupting them, speaking over them. And so they got together and said, we're going to support one another. And when that happens, we're going to say, hang on a minute. Angie was talking and I wanted to hear her finish. I'd like to hear her finish. And the men noticed that and they decided that they would all do that for each other. So tap into your ally network, have a, a plan, work with each other. And, and then if you can, it's okay to say very politely, if I may, if I may finish, if I may finish my thought. And But sometimes that's a little scary for people initially to do. So that's where your ally network can, can really help. Then in terms of thinking about, well, how can I just get my voice heard? How can I contribute in a meeting? Again, I go back to start small, 1%. One thing that I'll tell clients is ask a question. And even, even easier, ask a question about something that is mundane or more obvious. That's a very low risk to just get your voice into the room. And then you can ask a follow-up question that drills down into the answer you heard, that then that will bring more meat into your response. It will bring more thought leadership in, into your response. But that's a low-risk way to get started. I think it's a great way to get started. So again, if you want to be seen and you want to be heard, 
speak up in a small way, 1% better way to get that focus. I would love to hear from you, Jacqueline. How can people learn more about you and this amazing body of work that you do for your clients and yeah, your colleagues? Can you talk a little bit about your work and where people can find you? Sure. Well, the best place is on LinkedIn, Jacqueline Farrington. And then the website is farringtonpartners.com. And the book, The Non-Obvious Guide to Better Presentations, is at all major booksellers. Can you give us just one sneak peek into that book? Because I thought it was just a genius way to talk about everybody can increase their presentation skills. I've been presenting and I bought the book. <laughs> Tell oh, us about Give us one hack. Yeah, give us one hack that we can do tomorrow for 1% better. Sure. When you think about presence, think about confidence, connection, conviction. And all three of those need to work together to support you creating presence in, in the, the room. Confidence, connection, Mixion. and conviction. I yeah. love that final C. Thank you so much for being here, being a guest on Fed on You. This was just an, a great wisdom giving, actionable, practical session. So thanks for the conversation, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me, Angie. Oh my gosh, I took out a notepad midpoint of the podcast and I'm like, this information is like gold. <laughs> I need to remember this and I need to listen to this podcast again and again because Jacqueline just gave so much really practical sage guidance. I, I think the first and most important thing that I wrote down was that we are all, aren't we, students of human behavior? Or at least we can be. That's something that we can study every day. If we're seeking to grow and develop, it's really just be curious about the people around us. And rather than judge or shame, blame behavior, just go like, huh, why did they do that? What was their motivation? Why are they reacting like that? Be curious. Man, there is so much to learn. We could be the Jane Goodalls of human behavior. Just think about that for a second. The second thing that I loved about her message was just this acting in the business space. And if you want to get better at any skill, do it over and over and over and over and over and over again, because rehearsal sets you free. Practice. If you aren't a strong public speaker, if you're not really good at reclaiming your point, practice get the words, get it so it's just second nature to you. The third takeaway is that this concept of branding, if you think about it, you may not really, you know, know, or maybe you don't care to know what people say about you in your absence, but maybe be curious about that. And then think about what do I want people to say about me in my absence? How do I influence that? So it actually reflects my aspirations and maybe the value that I could bring to a group. So these are all just really simple, practical actions we can all take to own our space, be the main character in our story, and just show up in the way that we really want to. And hey, guess what? How others need us too. So if you want to learn more about Jacqueline, she gave us some great resources that we can connect with. And don't forget, AngieConnect.com. I have so much information for you, not just with this podcast, but other great ways that you can grow and develop your leadership skills so you can take greater risks and bet on yourself in your life. Thanks so much, guys. <music>